I wrote this script over a year ago, and I have not. There it is. And I haven't looked at it. <laughs> I was like, this way I'll just have scripts ready. <laughs> Don't. Right? Just in case. And there, it's working out because I haven't had to research anything since we restarted. Mm -hmm. Welcome to Mr. Reticle, where we take a theoretical approach to solving mysteries. I'm Lynn. And I'm JP. And today we're heading back to my home state, New Hampshire, to discuss the abduction of Barney and Betty Hill. Ooh. Oh, I know this. Yeah. This one's a big, it's a famous one. It's not. Yeah. Not famous. But it's fun because it's aliens. So. It's like the abduction? <laughs> like the... <laughs> Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm also eating. There's uh, the second season of American Horror Story. That's who Evan yes. Peters plays. Is based off of his character and his like wife's character when the aliens come and like take them or whatever. Yeah. That's yeah. What this hmm. is based off. So, um, in a way, it's kind of a hometown for me. Ish. I'm not from the town. But um, I know the area, so mm -hmm. that's, that's all. So we're going to go back to New Hampshire in 1961. My mom was I said born it's, in 1960. Well, nice. It says it's not my hometown, but then the first chunk of information is about my hometown, so maybe it is. I don't remember. I wrote... <laughs> Derry, New Hampshire, which is my hometown, is where one of the original seven astronauts came from. Um, Alan Shepard, he was, oh, I'm just putting us back in the time, I guess. He was the first American in space and the first person ever to pilot a vehicle in space. So that's cool. Mm -hmm. And the case we're going to discuss today in the in the country. So like what's going on in 1961? Because you weren't alive. I wasn't alive. I haven't read the script in a year. I don't know what I'm rambling about. JFK no, became we president. Did not have cell <laughs> no, we definitely didn't have cell phones. Um, JFK became the president. 101 Dalmatians, mm. which is the movie I watched every day as a child, the came cartoon? out. Yeah. No way. Yeah. So cute. Um, the Fantastic Four debuted, which launched the Marvel Universe. So cool. And like a bunch of space stuff and a bunch of civil rights stuff, the Cold War, Vietnam. There was a lot going on in 1961. Yeah. And aliens. Yay. Yep. So Betty and Barney. Eunice Elizabeth Barrett, or Betty, was 43 years old, and Barney Hill Jr. was 41 in 1961. Betty was a social worker that worked with child welfare cases and Bonnie Bonnie. Barney was a postal worker who would typically drive about 60 miles a day and he would work the night shift. That is uh, like lot. sorting mail, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Not sorting mail, delivering mail? In the middle of the night? Oh. <laughs> Why did he drive that far? Whatever. Maybe it's like a major like sorting facility or hub for the mail system. Yeah. Mystery solved. Okay. Is it? I just, I think we're guessing. <laughs> um, Barney was a World War II vet and a plane enthusiast. 
On top of their busy jobs, they, being an interracial married couple in the early 60s, were passionate about civil rights, so they were members of the NAACP. And Barney was on the board for the U.S. Commission of Civil Rights, and they volunteered at their Unitarian Church and were active members in their community. And that's apparently all I could find about them, <laughs> like about their lives yeah. in general. History. So we're, we're going to go to the incident, the infamous incident. Side note, did you see yes. the SNL skit where they get abducted by aliens and like and it's Kate the McKinnon smoking <laughs> and like she's always like, oh, and she's like, got a gun. Right. That's not what happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> if if you're listening and you haven't seen that skit, it is you actually need to a Google good it. one. SNL is hit or miss. And it's so good. Yeah. And that one's good. And they break character all the time, which is always funny. That's because she's so she's funny. So- even the way she's like sitting in her like mom jeans, she's like, yeah. "No, I was probed." <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I want to watch it. Anyway, so September nineteen sixty one, they decided to take a break from their extremely busy lives and took a spontaneous trip to Montreal and Niagara Falls. Cute, love that for them. Mm-hmm. They had never had a honeymoon. I wrote, I mean, how would they even have the time? (laughs) Right. Um, So this three-day road trip was as good as any, and they didn't even need to stop by the bank for extra cash. They just grabbed their dog, Delcy, and hopped into their 1957 Chevrolet Bel Air. Why that matters, I don't don't know. The first two days of their trip were incident-free until the very last evening. The Hills left a diner in Vermont around 10, 10.30 p.m.-ish, They left the diner with a goal of driving all night so that they'd be back home in Portsmouth, New Hampshire by morning. So that's the actual town it takes place. (laughs) Glad we got there. As they drove, they noticed a bright light following them in the sky. They kept driving, but the light only got bigger and brighter. Betty looked through their binoculars and having a sister who claimed... And having a sister... Oh, yeah. Betty looked through their binoculars. She has a sister who claimed a few years earlier to have seen a UFO. So that led her to think that in that's the same what she area? was seeing. I don't know. It doesn't say. I think she just was like a believer at that point is what that point is. Um, Got it. Barney figured it was just a commercial plane, helicopter, or even a satellite that went off course. Remember, space stuff was happening. Totally possible. The light didn't stop following them, even though the curvy mountain roads of Franconia Notch and the White Mountains, which are in like middle of New Hampshire... Um, I used to snowboard in there, in the White Mountains. That's like a big ski area. Um, if you know anything about New England at night, it's windy, curvy, sometimes a little scary in the winter, and there are no street lights on most, like, mountain roads, so you're just in the dark. <laughs> um, <laughs> in the dark. <laughs> no lights, nothing. Um, even today, never mind back in the sixties, like my street back home still has no, there's no street lamps. That's not a thing. No. And we're also in the fall. So in the daytime, their drive probably would have been stunning. Maybe not though. I feel like early September, it's like still summer weather. Yeah. So while driving these windy, curvy streets, the light would disappear momentarily as they took curves, but it would reappear just a few moments later. 
At this point, they were curious, so they pulled over. Nope, don't do that. Why would you? Why would you? Why? <laughs> mm -mm. I would go pull into like a dark area. When it disappeared, I would like try to disappear myself and turn my lights off. Yeah. It would be unnoticeable. Hide. Ugh. Um. Oh, they had their pair of binoculars, and they could see through them that it was not a satellite, as Barney had predicted. It was a strange object spinning in the air. But Barney was skeptical of the idea that it could be an alien craft, even though he had no alternative explanation. It could be military. Mm -hmm. um, it was then that Barney stopped the car, pulled out his... Nope, I can't talk. Wait. Oh, I skipped a line. They got back into their car. Not even they pulled over. They pulled over and they got out. No. <laughs> I would never. They got back into their car and drove until they reached Route 3 in Lincoln, New Hampshire. The object was now hovering over their car about 100 feet up and silent. It was then that Barney stopped the car, pulled out his handgun, and got out of the vehicle. What are you going to... Why are you... What are you... What is your handgun going to do? A hundred feet in the air to a ship, not a person, right? <laughs> Just to a metal nothing. Um, that's when he saw something as big as a jet and flat as a pancake. He claims that there were windows in the craft that he could see eight to eleven beings in gray uniforms. Although some articles claim he said they were gray and they had black uniforms and black caps. They told him to put down his binoculars. Barney wanted to raise his pistol, but found that he couldn't. He panicked and ran back to the car and sped off. As they tried to escape the strange object, both Barney and Betty heard strange beeps issuing from their trunk. They felt drowsy and eventually fell unconscious. It turned out they drove about 35 miles, but they only had vague memories of that part of the drive. They did recall making a sharp, sudden turn. They found themselves at a roadblock and watched a fiery orb in the road. The next morning, they woke up in their house in Portsmouth with no memory of the events or how they got home. Wow. <laughs> you know when you you know when you drive sometimes and you're like Me? kind of out of it. No, yeah, just in general, like a hu as a human, like you drive and then you you arrive home and you're like, was that light red? Like you just have no right. You don't remember the drive home. Right. It's because you do it every day. Right. You like zone into it, which is super dangerous. I feel like that's not good, but we all do it. And then you go, was that, did I, did, did I, I drive do, home? did I drive? <laughs> How did I get here alive? It's really yeah. a question. Um, I feel like they had that, but like more intense. 35 and miles is a lot. And that's not like they were going I'm on a trip. blockage, right? Like yeah. a large amount of time also passed. Yeah. What's that called? Is it time loss? Time Lapse. Time... Lapse. Lapse is when you record things for a really long time. Oh. A time... Machine. No. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. Someone remembers. Lost time? Nope. Can't think of the word. Um, before we get into evidence, what do you think it was? What are your thoughts? How long has it been? Like, what, how much amount of time? That they were missing? Missing. It's the same. They woke up the next morning in their bed. So, but they and said they don't that there know. was 35 miles that they have vague memories of. So that's like 45 minutes, probably. 
was there. So you don't get stuck on a tractor. And like during a after a traumatic experience, like something yeah. like that, like I'm mm -hmm. sure that you would be in shock, and usually shock does block a lot of time. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so maybe like you just were in so much shock, you came home, you went to bed, and you just woke up, and you were like, oh. "Was that a dream?" <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep, I could see that. But do you think they saw a giant pancake with eight to eleven beings? <laughs> Potentially, but a hundred feet away. I don't. I know. I don't know how close. I never saw like how close it got to them. For him to see that, I and mean, for them to tell him something. Well, maybe it was like mind. Yeah, telepathically. Mm hmm. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Those are my thoughts. I still can't think of the word for the lost time thing. It's annoying. Okay. Evidence. On time, top. Time oh. blip. Time blip. No. <laughs> blip in time. We'll call it a blip. <laughs> I, don't I like know. it. Um, and I wrote down the amount of lost time, which was two hours. So on top of the two hours of lost time, there was some physical evidence of something strange happening. Barney's shoes were scuffed. Betty's dress was torn. I have pictures, apparently. Um, it's like a big hole in the front, maybe like where a necklace would hang. So it's not just like a oh, little tiny tear in the shoulder. It's like a hole, I think right, right. here. Um, as well as at the hem, zipper, and lining. That's a lot of rips. Yeah. She also noticed a pink powder on her dress, which she ended up hanging on the clothesline, so it blew away. Hmm. Boo. She ended up throwing the dress away, but then changing her mind. So she hung it in her closet, and five labs ended up doing various chemical and forensic tests on it over the years. I was both thinking Labradors. Their... I was like, oh. No. <laughs> licked wow. it clean. They licked it clean. <laughs> they tested it. Not peanut have... butter. They ate it. <laughs> and, and then they all got really sick because they ate fabric. <laughs> Puke everywhere. Uh... <laughs> Both of their watches had stopped working, like, forever. Mm -hmm. And their binoculars leather strap was torn. Which I feel um, like that's a little more... Leather is not an easy thing to... Thing to tear. Through. It just depends on how thick the leather is. And yeah. if there's, like, padding in it, too. Yeah. But watches usually do have that. But I don't know about the 60s. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't... I don't know. Um... Wait, that they just stopped working randomly? Well, of course, they would just stop working randomly. Batteries, you know? But it's not batteries because I said forever. So they never got. It wasn't just like a put a new battery. So in. Also, attempt. if your battery and someone else's battery died at the same time. It could mean like radioactive waves or something. Yeah. Or maybe they got wet. Mm-hmm. Oh. Because that would break a watch, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. Like permanently? Yeah. Mm hmm. Hmm. Um. They both took long showers to avoid contamination, and they both drew pictures. I don't know what that means. They both took long showers to avoid contamination. Like um, uh, something radioactive, or like being uh, something where they would have to go into a lab or something. Yeah. And they both drew pictures of what they remembered seeing. I have a photo of Betty's, apparently. 
Okay. Don't ask me to show you personally because I don't know where they are. I definitely put them there somewhere. Um, some more strange evidence was shiny concentric circles on their car's trunk. Remember, they did hear that beeping yeah. from the trunk. The Hills ended up doing experiments on the circles um, with a compass, and they noted that when you put the compass close to the spots, the needle would spin rapidly, and then they would remove it an inch or two away, and it would slow down. Hmm. So they were magnetic, because aren't needles magnetic? That's the mm-hmm. whole, how they work. Not needles. Compasses. Yeah. A few days afterward, Betty got a book on UFOs from the local library written by Major Donald E. Kehoe, who had And at this point, they haven't reported anything yet, right? They have, because this is... Oh, I don't know. I don't think so. I didn't write if they did. Okay. Probably not. This is probably just their own. But it said the dress was sent to labs. So I don't know. I don't know. So a few days afterward, Betty got a book on UFOs from the local library written by Major Donald E. Kehoe, who was a retired uh, Marine. He was also the head of NICAP, which was a civilian-based UFO research group. Whew. On September 26th, only 10 days after the encounter, Betty wrote to Kehoe. She told him her story, including all of the details that she and Barty saw. So this is the first that I wrote that they're reporting anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She wrote that they were considering hypnosis to recover their lost memories. This letter made its way to a Boston astronomer and NICAP member named Walter Webb. Walter met them on October 21st, 1961. They had a six-hour interview, and Barney discussed the mental block he felt when he got to a certain part of the story, and he suspected he did not wish to remember them. Dissociation, totally possible. Yeah. He described everything he could in detail, and the stories they told him a month after Betty wrote the letter were consistent. Some things are altered a little, but nothing you can't chalk up to, like, human error. Mm -hmm. And... You know, eyewitness testimony, which is always our favorite form of (laughs) evidence. Yeah. I love it so much. Um, Ten days after the encounter. So this is, so their interview with that guy is like a month later. Okay. Now we're back to ten days after the encounter, which is when she wrote the letter. Betty was having vivid dreams for five successive nights, but then they stopped and never happened again. She mentioned them to Barney, who was sympathetic but not overly concerned. She never brought them up to him again either. So maybe she had more and she just never mentioned it. Yeah. In November 1961, she began journaling her dreams. So yeah, she definitely had more. Yeah. Um, interesting. Okay. Right? I yeah. would journal them all because I'd be like, what if this is what happened? Right. Related or anything. In one dream, the hills were at a roadblock, and a group of men surrounded their car. She lost consciousness and struggled to come back. Then she realized two small men, about five foot to five five, in blue uniforms and military-style caps with black hair, dark eyes, and prominent noses and blue lips and gray skin. They forced her to walk in a forest at night, and Barney was behind her, but he seemed to be in a trance of sleepwalking because he didn't answer her when she called. In her dreams, she and Barney were walking up a ramp into a metallic disc-shaped craft. Inside, 
so much spit in my mouth. Inside, they were separated. She protested to a man she dubbed the leader and asked that they be examined together, but he explained that it would take too much longer and they were taken to separate rooms. Then a new man arrived, similar, but she dubbed him the examiner. She described him as pleasant and calm. She also wrote that they both spoke English, but it wasn't perfect and they were hard to understand. The examiner told her that the tests were to see the differences between humans and the craft's occupants. She was seated in a chair and a bright light shone on her. A man cut off a lock of her hair. Her eyes, ears, mouth, teeth, throat, and hands were examined. I did not write that sentence in a good way. That sounded weird. Um, they saved the trimmings of her fingernails, examined her legs, feet, and then using a dull knife, scraped some skin. He then tested her nervous system and thrust a needle into her navel, which was extremely painful painful nice the being waved a hand in front of her eyes and the pain went away magic the examiner left betty left and betty spoke with the leader she picked up a book with rows of strange symbols and was told she could take them home she also asked where they came from and he showed her a map of stars in her dream she then remembered the men escorting them from a ship when they broke into an argument the leader informed her she couldn't keep the book because the other men didn't want her to remember the encounter. Betty insisted no matter what they did, she would one day remember. And I wrote, you tell him, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, she and Barney were returned to the car, and the leader suggested they wait for the ship to depart. They did, and then they drove home. So that's like her dream version of events. Yeah. Um. On November 25th, 1961, the Hills were interviewed by some different NICAP members. That's the civilian UFO group. They had read the original report and had many questions. One was about the length of the trip. The Hills' 178-mile drive shouldn't, should have only been about four hours, but they arrived home seven hours after their departure. The couple had no explanation for these missing hours. Oh, so many boogers. Okay. Gross. <laughs> they both recalled the fiery orb and they conjectured it could have been the moon, but the NICAP interviewers informed them that the moon had set earlier in the evening. The moon doesn't set. What does that mean? The, I think that, yeah, it doesn't set, but it does go down off the horizon, maybe, or it disappears. Maybe that's what they're about. But what about when we can see it in the daytime? Oh, I know. I know. It's creepy. I have moon questions. <laughs> <laughs> mm, we should do a moon episode i would love to do like a dark side of the moon episode mm -hmm. are we gonna debunk the stanley kubrick theory <laughs> <laughs> yeah and um the moon landing yep well that's the theory yeah did that he, he did it, it. Mm -hmm. yeah in a studio <laughs> we could go to the studio jp i'm sure it's in like burbank or something yeah bus rooms um they, where am I? This is when they decided to try hypnosis, although Barney was apprehensive and thought it was non as nonsense as Betty's dreams. So, toxic. Red flag number one. Barney, you have to support her. <laughs> mm -hmm. In February 1962, they made frequent trips to the site of the incident in hopes of sparking their memories. They were unsuccessful in finding where the fiery orb was in the road, but they did eliminate several possible routes. They didn't speak about their encounter publicly until 1963 when they retold their story to a group at their church. That's not who I would go to. Just... Um, 
A few months later, as with alien stories, absolutely no. <laughs> a few months later, a U.S. Air Force captain was giving a speech at their their church on hypnosis. Okay, I would talk to him. That that makes sense. Um, and recommended Barney to a psychiatrist by the name of Mister Stevens. I would hope it's a Dr. Stevens and not <laughs> Mr. <laughs> I wrote Mr. though. Um, when Barney met him, he asked about hypnosis and Mr. Stevens related to him to a man in Boston. How, when did hypnosis start? Uh, We're in the 60s. A long time ago, I think. Did it? Like way before. Th- I think it was like. Oh, so that's like an old yeah, practice. I believe For like so. recovering memories. Mm-hmm. At least. Okay. Interesting. In November 1963, they spoke with an amateur study group in Quincy, Massachusetts. They then met the man, Benjamin Simon, in Boston in December 1963. So this is two years later. Simon determined that Barney was more anxious and worried than he put on, and he did dismiss the alien theories, but he wanted to help them since they seemed determined. I love that. So on January 4th, they had their first session, and June 6th, 1964, was their last. He emphasized amnesia. I love it to just be like, that's probably not right, but let's let's do it anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, according to their recovered memories, Barney had emotional responses to his recalls of the beings. So Simon told him that he wouldn't remember the hypnosis until he knew it wouldn't traumatize him further. That makes sense. I read it kind of fast, but that makes sense. Yeah. Um. So this is what Barney recalled. The binocular strap broke running from the UFO to the car. He recalls driving the car away, irresistibly being compelled to pull off the road and into the woods. He remembers six men standing in the dirt road. He remembered the car stalling and three men approaching the car. And although they told Barney not to fear them, he was still anxious. Um, The beings were generally similar to Betty's hypnotic recollection, but not dream. He remembered their eyes the most like they and their eyes the most like they could see into his brain. That's not a sentence, Lynn. I don't know what that means. Just kidding. Just kidding. He remembered being taken into the craft, being separated, being escorted to a room by three men and told to lie on a small rectangular table. His narrative from there was broken up. He kept his eyes closed. He remembered a cup-like device being put over his genitals, and a th- and he thought a sperm sample was taken, and they scraped his skin, examined his ears, mouth, and a tube of some sort was inserted into his anus, but was quickly removed. He also recalled someone feeling his spine and counting his vertebrae. Counting? Okay. Huh? Okay. Yep. <laughs> Makes sense with a lot of other... Alien mm-hmm. media. I'm going to say media. Barney remembered them mumbling in a foreign language, and he believed they communicated with him tel- uh, telepathically, like you said. Neither of them remembered their mouths ever moving. He then remembered being brought back to his car, watching the ship leave, the light appearing on the road. He remembered Betty thinking it was the moon. He also remembered attempting to produce the code-like buzzing sounds, which seemed to strike the car's trunk, but his attempt was unsuccessful. Betty's recall, her account was similar to her dreams, but with some notable differences, mainly in regards to her capture and release. She also described the technology differently, the short men's appearance was significantly different, and the sequential order of the abduction. 
However, both of their recalls under hypnosis were consistent with each other. Oh, wow. Which is interesting. Yeah. She exhibited emotional distress when recalling the capture and exam. Simon gave her a post-hypnotic section and asked her to draw the star map. Betty described it more like a 3D hologram. I picture, like, Iron Man's stuff. Like yeah. Armor. Um, she drew the ones she could remember, which was 12 prominent stars connected by lines and then three lesser ones which formed a triangle. She explained that she was told the stars connected by solid lines were trade routes, dashed lines were less traveled. Many years later, a woman, Marjorie Fish, attempted to interpret Betty's drawing in order to figure out where the leader had shown her and concluded that they were from the Zeta Reticuli star system, but she later claimed that her hypothesis was wrong. So who knows where they were. Simon concluded that it was possibly a fantasy inspired by Betty's dreams. Barney rejected the idea because they had similar and also unique recollections. He was ready to accept he was abducted, although not to the same degree as Betty. They all believed the hypnosis was successful nonetheless, and their anxiety was gone. Hmm. I have mixed feelings about hypnosis. There's like... I think it's hit or miss, honestly. People feed a lot of false memories. Your brain's in like a... That is like, is it like a placebo effect thing? Like, are you thinking that it's going to work? So it's going to work or. Right. I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Um, the official reports. I tried to find Project Blue Book papers, but couldn't since it's no longer in the FBI vault. And there are many pages about UFOs, but scrolling through them all. I couldn't find any mention about the hills, although they were a little unorganized and it was a lot of like, I was just skimming because it was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages. Yeah. According to our good old faithful Wikipedia, the epitome of knowledge, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the initial report to the U.S. Air Force and NICAP was filed on September 21st, 1962, when Betty called the Pease Air Force Base to report their encounter. She withheld some details since she was afraid of being labeled as eccentric. Makes sense. The next day, she was called back by Major Paul W. Henderson, and he asked her for a more detailed interview. His report determined that they probably misidentified Jupiter. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 100 feet above them. (laughs) But he changed it later to an optical condition, inversion, and insufficient data. This report was sent to the U.S. Air Force's Project Blue Book. That was my thought. I'm like, when we see a planet, you know, and they're like, you can see Mars tonight. Yeah, well, we get to see five planets soon, right? Yeah, I think so. Well, with our skies, probably not. But, um, like, we picture them like the moon. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. oh, Saturn. No, it's just like a tiny bit of a brighter. But who would look at that and go, it was 100 meters away, flat as a pancake, and there were people in it. That doesn't. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. So I'm at theories. Do you have any any thoughts? Okay. Lots of thoughts? It's either they're lying or they're not. And really, like, I, I mean, isn't that the, the biggest case with, debate? Isn't that the case with any alien story? Yeah. And so, like, to me, I think that, like, something happened that night. Whether they staged everything or they actually did, it actually did happen. If they staged everything, 
it's pretty elaborate but like i yeah. get why they would like put all this evidence together because i, I think at that time weren't were they the ones that kicked it off or like it had already been being reported like alien sightings and stuff like pretty frequently around that time um i don't know what i talk about in well, let's get into it. Into in theories, because I don't. I wrote it so long ago. It's hmm. yeah. So we'll see. Because knowing me, I probably did talk about media only because I grew up with my mom being like, "War of the World" scared people because they thought it was real. Yeah. Because it was like over the radio, so you weren't seeing mm -hmm. anything. And if you tuned in late, it was like, "Is this a news story? Like, what is this?" So, but I don't remember when War of the Worlds was a radio show probably like mm -hmm. 50 because that's when like all the movies started happening so i don't know yeah um so let's talk about hypnosis for a second okay. hypnosis is a genuine practice in therapy fine it is a treatment option that can help cope with or treat different conditions the certified hypno hypnotist or hypnotherapist guides you into a deep state of relaxation which is trance-like in this state they can make suggestions designed to help you because you are in a heightened state of focus, you can be more open to proposals that normally you'd be more prone to ignore. They are then awoken or allowed to awake on their own. It is considered to possibly be a placebo effect, like you said. However, since the brain reacts in a specific way, when it's suggested to be stronger than that. Research shows strong evidence that hypnosis is great for treating pain, IBS, PTSD, and insomnia. Limited evidence suggests that it can be used for depression, anxiety, smoking, cessation, post-surgery, wound healing, and weight loss. I buy that. One session is typically not enough, and you'll have four to five sessions. Now, really quick, not everyone can be hypnotized. Really, only 10% of people can be hypnotized. People really? are still in control of their bodies. It is not the same as sleeping. People can still lie during hypnotism, and it's suggested to be a myth that hypnosis can help you uncover lost memories. I, um, they attempted to hypnotize me once at, like, some work function at a Christmas party. They had a hypnotist there and a magician. Well, that sounds fake as fuck. <laughs> it didn't work. Okay, so you're either not part of that super tiny percent of the human population or yeah. that guy was like a musician just trying to make a quick buck working at a party. <laughs> so. Right. I think that it was probably the latter. But other people pretended to be hypnotized at least. Yeah. I have no idea. Because this is like you're a hip this is like you have like a psychology degree. Right. You wouldn't be doing magic tricks at right. this party. I'm skeptical. Um <laughs> Rebutting, um, psychiatrists later suggested that their hallucinations were due to them being stressed by being an interracial couple in the 1960s. I get it. Yeah. Um, although Betty argued that they were happy and it caused no notable problems with friends or family. I mean, like, I've walked places with Franz and, like, had a friend with us that was like, why are they looking at you like that? Like, and it's 20. 20 i like i don't notice it but i know it's there yeah so it's it's still there so it is possible even if it's not your direct relatives and people in your circle outer society is an issue um a resident in the white mountain area jim mcdonald produced an analysis of the journey and concluded that they had misperceived an aircraft warning beacon on cannon mountain 
The beacon appears and disappears at exactly the same time the Hills described the UFO as appearing and disappearing. That's possible. He continues yeah. to blame the hallucinations on them being sleep-deprived, stressed, and that hypnosis produced false memories. Betty was being called delusional even by another UFO enthusiast, John Oswald, but is that trauma? I mm, have lots of thoughts. <laughs> I think it's a, yeah, yeah. That's hard. I also feel like if they are lying, what's their motive? Because uh, fame. Maybe they were bored and in their in their but they didn't small report town. It. They didn't report it for like two years. Yeah. Like if they were looking for fame, don't you think they would immediately be on the news? But was anything dated? What do you mean? Was anything dated from two years back? Like there was nothing that like had a timestamp. Like this happened two years ago or this watch was broken two years ago i don't know or this car had these dents you mean like forensically forensically right. dated yeah i don't know i don't know i know i wonder what the like if those marks were there before or what you know the marks on their cars and stuff i don't know mm -hmm. i also don't know what law and labs enforcement type people would be like yes let's like research into all of this you know yeah I don't know. Um, the other question is, was it from a TV show? Maybe. A science fiction show called The Outer Limits had an episode titled The Bolero Shield. This episode was broadcast two weeks before Barney's first hypnotic session. The alien in the show was gray and had large eyes. Betty insisted she had never heard of the show. It was also suggested that there were some commonalities with Invaders from Mars, which came out in 1953. It it is like alien stories started coming out after like alien literature and media became popular. So mm -hmm. <sighs> I don't know. I'm skeptical. I don't. Whatever. What does science have to say? According to a New York Times article written by Nicholas D. Kristoff in 1999, in his article he claims it's sleep paralysis. Christoph also explains that a growing number of scholars believe that sleep paralysis could be the answer in regards to ancient stories about attacks and curses from witches as well as alien abductions. Yeah. Sleep paralysis is creepy. Yeah. Ugh. Um, as of 1999, studies on sleep paralysis were well known in Japan, but much less studied in the West. So Americans could experience something strange and not know about the possibility of sleep paralysis being the answer. It was believed at the time that 40 to 50 percent of people experience it at least once. Oh, wow. I have never experienced it. Have you? Uh, I know. No. I know Sersha has and Amanda has. I have not. I've had like I do sleep talking and i've had like nightmares where i'm a little lucid but not yeah. really like paralysis where i can't do anything about it you know? well usually because you're like awake and you usually see like a figure right maybe i'm lying that amanda has had i feel like amanda correct us i don't i don't even know if you listen to our episodes anymore because you're in half of them and i know how listening to your own voice feels it's gross but <laughs> <laughs> i don't know alaska um uh, where am I? The feeling of sleep paralysis is pretty common among reports, but the interpretations can alter. 
In a survey of 2,000 people who had experienced sleep paralysis, hundreds described experiences like alien abductions. Hmm. In one study, it has been found that people that have experienced alien abduction-like scenarios are no more fantasy-prone than others and have a slightly higher intelligence, but they also don't want publicity. That's what I'm saying. Like, I get the fame thing, but it's like you're famous, but also, like, dubbed, like, a weirdo. Or, like, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah. It's, it's a weird way to go after fame, I feel, to be like, I saw an alien. Because it's just like, you're going to be, like... An outcast of society. Mm -hmm. Several scholars found that people who have been exposed to books, TV, and movies about aliens are more likely to report abductions. Those who believed in alien abductions deny the sleep paralysis theory. Even a professor at Harvard Med says that the evidence doesn't line up. Other alien enthusiasts believe that the aliens could be clever enough to use sleep paralysis as a tool. Some psychiatrists think it doesn't line up with sleep paralysis and could be false memories, daydreams, or fantasies, especially when they're, they're hypnotized. My question is, how would this happen to both of them while they're both awake? They remember similar things, although they could be influenced by each other, mm -hmm. is my thought. And then my last theory is uh, aliens. <laughs> like it really happened. Like it's just all... And then I posted a link <laughs> to what... Reasons to believe, how seriously should you take these recent reports of UFO UFOs? Ask the Pentagon. I mean, they just said the mothership thing, but I think that's just to distract us from all the bullshit that's going on. Mm -hmm. I have a little bit of extra, extra stuff. Um, but do you have any, what do you think? What are your final theories? Like, I've always, especially watching different documentaries on it, I've always gone either way. I yeah. think I personally am in the camp of not believing it just because I've never seen proof of it happening otherwise. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And even if you did, do you think you would be like, I'm on drugs? <laughs> That's, you know what <laughs> I mean? I was, if I was on drugs, yeah. <laughs> Well, like maybe someone drugged me. You know what? I, but you know what I mean. Like, do you think if you did experience like an alien, whatever, would you have a moment of like, am I awake? Am I? Like, that's crazy? what I would think. Is like, am I am awake? I, am I dreaming? Or am I hallucinating? No. Or mm -hmm. like, am I losing my mind? Or because yeah. I think that's how I would feel. I would, I would like be like, no, that can't be. Like, I need to be institutionalized instantly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you. I, cause I, I think it's dumb to think we're the only things out there. Agreed. In infinite universe, but I don't necessarily think they've ever been here. Because like, the science you have to have to travel billions of billions of miles through the universe is like insane. And no, we don't have it, but maybe they're primitive or more primitive even than we are. Or maybe they're slightly, you know what I mean? Like, we've mm -hmm. learned to travel a little bit, but even then, we can't leave our solar system. So, like, the idea that they can is, like, ridiculous to me. Right. So, I don't think... Um, I get that, but I also would say, like, they, 
they might be more advanced than us. So it's oh, kind of silly for us to think that we would be the most advanced. Yeah. I also agree with that. But I don't think automatically just because they're aliens, they're super yeah. advanced. Maybe they're literally us just on a different planet with like right. different resources. I don't know. That's my thoughts. Um, here's my extra stuff about, I don't know, we're going to find out together. There have been uh, many UFO sightings throughout history, but the Hills encounter ended up being the most well-documented and feasibly legitimate case. Aliens were originally portrayed as friendly creatures who communicated between Earth and their homes. The Hills story became so widely publicized that it shaped the way alien encounters are still discussed in the media today. This includes all of our favorite alien tropes about missing time. There, I guess that's what it is. And um, medical examinations or experiments. After the Hills told their stories, a Boston reporter got a hold of it and they became a sensation without their permission, of course, so they tried to own their stories so that they could control it. Their collections of drawings, birth certificates, marriage certificates, journals, and accounts of the incident are currently at the uh, University of New Hampshire Library and out of 3,000 special collections kept in their inventory, 17% of their web traffic is the Barney and Betty Hill collection. Barney died subtly in 1969 at the age of 46. Betty died in 2004 at the age of 85 in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Betty remained a UFO advocate and enthusiast throughout her life after their incident. Good. That's it. Um, any feelings? Thoughts? Feelings? Emotions? Mm-mm. Nada? Mm. Nada. I think it was the mafia. <laughs> Potentially. I do in New Hampshire. Say, yeah, no, it's a lot of woods. You could hide bodies. I do want to say um, the idea of it being like them both having memories of men. Yeah. Makes me think of like the like Men in Black, mm-hmm. which are always weird stories. So. Yeah, that could be government, though. Yeah. And I do think part of me feels like something traumatic did happen, but I don't know what it was. Mm -hmm. Maybe they, no, because they would find a body. Uh, I was going to say maybe they like hit someone with their car and it would just like traumatize them. Maybe they did and they buried that body deep in the woods somewhere and then they were like, what's our cover for this lost a trip that was supposed to be four hours really was seven hours. So how would you explain that last time? Mm-hmm. If you or someone in your family has any information or if you'd like to share your own theories, please feel free to email us at mrreticle at gmail.com. Follow us at Mr. Reticle on Instagram, Facebook, and you know what? I don't do anything on Facebook. Honestly, I don't really do anything anywhere, but Instagram and TikTok is where you would find it, so we'll just stick with those. And don't forget to give us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't play with strangers. And don't trust your government. I don't have a thing. Uh... Don't trust your alien mafia friend. (laughs) Don't trust the mafia. (laughs) No. Um... Don't trust your sleep paralysis demon. Yes, that's that's the one. <laughs> Don't trust your sleep paralysis demon. Perfect. <laughs> Love it. 
good see look at that 50 minutes you got time loved it free to go aliens it was aliens and the mafia your favorite i do that is my favorite i know (laughs) that's why i was like i have to do this one with jp i can't do it with somebody else